You're listening to episode 107 of the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden. The kids were uh, all around playing with their toys on the floor. I remember thinking that it, it was a inviting home just because she lived there, but it wasn't a perfect home. And she took her arm and she kind of, um, I don't know how to describe this, but she placed it flat on the table and she pushed all the toys off onto the floor right where I was. And she looked in me in the eyes and she said, just imagine you and I get to share this hour together. I am so happy that you're with me. And I'm so happy to have Sally back to share her inspiration to talk about her new book, The Life-Giving Home, but more than just talking about the book, to paint a picture of what our home can be and that it doesn't have to be perfect. I think we know in our head it doesn't have to be perfect, but really recognizing the power we have to create a space where people can come into it, our family can feel it, this sense of belonging, this sense of I want to share this space with you and be with you and also to be inspired to go out and to do big things because of the beauty and and what you have put into your home. And it doesn't take much energy. It just takes a shift in your perspective. Before we get into the interview, I wanted to remind you all about the partnership we're doing with Connected Families. They are offering God Center Mom listeners a special course Uh, It is called Discipline That Connects. You can go to GodCenterMom backslash Connected Families to find more information. It's Jim and Lynn Jackson. You remember them. Episodes 80, 81, 98. This is for moms and dads who are listening who are dissatisfied with their current parenting. Maybe you didn't have parents who connected with you. Maybe you don't know how to do this differently and you need help. You need guidance. You need a coach. Well, Jim and Lynn are here. They've created this awesome video series. If you sign up now, the registration is ending this week. If you sign up now, you have access to the videos forever and you you won't have a chance to register again until October. This course is great. They have it in six different modules. You can watch it as you want. You can watch one video at a time. It's like five minutes. Watch another, another time. And it's going to help like reshape how you see discipline. Is discipline just your kid misbehaves and you do give them a bad consequence? Or does it start with your kid understanding that they're loved and they're safe and that they're God's workmanship and that they're responsible? Like these are the messages we really want our kids to believe, but how do we help them believe those messages? How do we communicate those messages? I have been loving this course. If you do sign up, send me an email, let me know, and maybe we can start our own little private Facebook group for God Center Mom listeners that have joined the Connected Family course. Uh, I think that would be kind of fun to do it together. So go to GodCenterMom.com backslash Connected Families for that special partnership link. All right, let's get right to the interview with Sally. Here we go. Hey, Sally, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Oh, I love being with you, Heather. I just think we're kindred spirits, and I wish you lived next door. I know. <laughs> I wish I did so I could have your fabulous views, you know, that you uh, describe in your new book, um, The Life-Giving Home. And uh, um, thank you again for being on last week and giving Jenny advice. That was very helpful. And I know that all of our listeners can't wait to get more from you. And so just in case those listeners, they heard that snippet from you, but they aren't familiar with your books and your work and your conferences and all that you're doing, would you just introduce them to your family real quick? Because I know that's a big part of this new book and just your life. 
Oh, sure. Um, I'm Sally Clarkson, and I'm 62 years old. I've been married. (laughs) And just getting started. And just getting started. Yeah, just getting started. I want to know, what does God have for me in the next 20 years? um, Anyway, I have four grandchildren. Sarah is in uh, studying theology in Oxford. She's 31. She's um, written several books, and um, she is has a very interesting life right now, but I keep my children's lives private. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then somewhat. And then Joel is 29. He's a composer. He's uh, He went to Berkeley in uh, Boston, and he's been in film scores and choral music that was in the Vatican and just lots of creative stuff. And then Nathan is 26. He's my wonderful extroverted ADHD, ODD, CDO, my goodness child, who <laughs> just produced his first movie. Uh, and he's been in a number of movies this fall. And he's producing another movie and lives in New York City. Uh, and uh, the Confessions of a Prodigal Son, I know I'll get that question, is the name of his movie. <laughs> yeah, the movie is Confessions of a Prodigal Son, yes. Yes. And um, then I had three children, three miscarriages. And when I was 42, Nathan said, Mommy, I think you need another little girl. And I said, well, honey, Mommy's getting kind of old. And he said, but Mommy, will you pray about this? Mm. So I prayed, and I ended up with my wonderful Joy, who mm. uh, is 20, and she graduated from college at Biola uh, last spring and is considering uh, graduate school. She got accepted to Yale and Oxford and decided to take a year off. So she's in the throes of working and having fun and deciding where she's going to go to graduate school next year. So it's really fun having her home because she and I are kind of like personalities. Yeah. And I I blog at Life Giving. uh, I'm sorry, I blog (laughs) at SallyClarkson.com. And I just love women, family, children, and want to encourage and help um, moms especially to find joy in their role and to help them know that they are not alone. And today we just thought we'd take a second and talk about this concept that you are recently releasing a book about, this concept of creating a life-giving home, a place of belonging and becoming, which is such, oh, those are two great words. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just as I read what you're writing and having known you, there's just part of me that it it is a it sounds amazing. Like uh-huh. it sounds it sounds yes, everyone longs for a home where they belong and they become something. And mm-hmm. so, tell us more about that. If a mom is unfamiliar with that concept, maybe she doesn't come from a home like that, mm-hmm. or she's never seen one before. Yeah, how do you picture that? How would you define a life giving home? Well, I think um, our family has lived all over the world, traveled all over the world, so we've never had the advantage of having just one home. Mm. Uh, So this concept of the life-giving home is more about the life that goes on inside the home. And I think that God created all of us. I mean, you look at this amazing garden that he gave to Adam and Eve, and he was walking in the garden. He wanted to have companionship with them there, and it was a place of beauty. And inside that garden, he uh, he gave them purpose. He said, I'm giving you the whole world. Uh, bring your imprint on it. Subdue it. And and um, enjoy enjoy the artistry of your life's work together and have children. And so I think that home is a concept that God created before the fall to be good and foundational for all of us. I think home is a is a place where uh, children learn about relationships, where there's comfort for people, there's uh, 
the great feasts and tastes, and uh, it's a place where you can be protected from the world, and yet in this very busy uh, technological world, and in a place where families move all over the world and don't have that grandmother, grandfather, grand, you know, the cousins and so on and so forth anymore to support them, I feel like we've lost the imagination of the fact that all of us long to have a place where we belong, where there's beauty, where there's goodness, where it's safe from a difficult world. Mm. And um, I kind of began thinking about this and and capturing a vision for it many years ago when I was a single missionary. I was living in in Poland and I was working in communist countries where Christianity wasn't welcomed. And I remember thinking, oh, you know, if somebody would just have me over for a real meal Mm. or if they would just care about me or pray with me or or love me, I just felt so lonely Mm. for a place to belong. And so I began realizing way back then, um, you know, we, my, my roommate and I, who we were both single, and we started uh, inviting girls that we met in this um, communist country from different cities to our home on the weekends. And we would make big pots of tea and coffee, and there wasn't a lot of food. So we would chop up mushrooms and onions real small and call it hamburger. <laughs> and we would make these little toasts with hamburger, you know, with this stuff on it. And and we would light candles and put on music and just say, come, come be with us. And I began to realize that was the beginning of many cities that we lived in and worked in all over the world that most people love coming to a place where they feel like uh, love is the foundation, unconditional Mm -hmm. acceptance, um, being able to share over food together, being understood, great conversations, a a wonderful place to sleep or just to fellowship. And so uh, Sarah, who is living in Oxford and as a single woman right now, um, and I decided that we wanted to write a book that would kind of reframe people's vision for what a home could be and give them some really practical steps to go forward because I realized that when I've created a a wonderful life-giving place for me where the life of Christ and his love and his goodness and his creativity and uh, is is the foundation of where I live and where I make it a pleasant place for me to be and then invite people into that space um, that it really uh, embraces me Mm. and helps me in all the difficult times of my life. Yeah. Okay. So I'm thinking about, you know, the, I automatically went to the practicality of, okay, what, what would that take? Like, what should I think through if I'm going to make this transition? And you mentioned things that give you life. So for you, sure. you've mentioned candles mm-hmm. um, and good music. And what about the environmental space? Because right now, one thing that's holding me back from having people in my home and, you know, just just the thing that frustrates me the most is all the Legos. <laughs> yeah, but they are but taking you know, over our front living room like nobody's business. So oh, that is so okay. I have this really uh, very clear memory when I was living in Vienna, Austria. Yeah. And um, this woman I met at church invited me over. I was so surprised. No one ever invited me. I always invited everyone else. Yeah. And she had... Um, 
three small children under six. Mm. And when I came into her uh, little, you know, we all lived in apartments there, much smaller than than homes in America. And she had uh, made a pot of tea and she got out some, um, they called them biscuits then, they're cookies, but she just bought them at the store. And she had a little candle on it and she had these biscuits and a pot of tea. That's where I learned to love tea and coffee was in Europe. Yeah. Um, with their toys on the floor and it wasn't I remember thinking that it it was a inviting home just because she lived there but it wasn't a perfect home Mm -hmm. and she took her arm and she kind of um I don't know how to describe this but she placed it flat on the table and she pushed all the toys off onto the floor (laughs) right where I was and she looked at me in the eyes and she said just imagine you and I get to share this hour together. I am so happy. Mm. Mm. And didn't even say, I'm so sorry for the mess. And no, make you feel awkward. And uh, now you have to comment on the mess. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like um, sometimes the voices in our head uh, keep us from inviting people into our space. We need people. We need love. We need friendship. Yeah. And, um, I, I just remember feeling so loved by her that day. Mm. And um, one of the things I would say is that there is no one kind of home. Mm. Uh, there there are only um, foundations of the home that help people to feel welcome. Mm. And every single person who's listening to this podcast or who reads the book has total freedom and authority from God to live within the limitations of their personality, their preferences. If they like, um, you know, orange and yellow and contemporary furniture, or if they like old furniture, or if they like blues and reds, or or if they like uh, classical music instead of Celtic music or instead of uh, contemporary music, they have this incredible opportunity where they are to bring this, uh, the imprint of God's life through them into their home. Mm. And uh, I remember I was in China speaking once, and our, we had um, a seven-city tour on this book that came out in Chinese. And um, these sweet women who are very educated and very lovely, but uh, I had several women secretly come up to me by themselves and say, um, I have no idea what to do in my home. Mm. I have washed my dishes. I have changed the diaper. Now what do I do? Mm. And so I walked down the street with them, and I took them to a little shop that had pashmina scarves. And then right across the street from that was this little place that had um, flowers, fresh flowers. And then we walked down the street to a bookstore, and they had CDs of all sorts of music and um, some re- a couple of really interesting books. And for like $20 – I had this bag of stuff. We went back up to her house and I um, I spread this pashmina in the middle of her table and I lit a candle and I put on the CD and I um, I had this beautiful book there. And she said, oh, she said, so I get to be an artist according to my preferences mm. and make my home the garden that God created at the beginning of the world. Mm. Wow. And um, so, you know, if you're if you're a mom of boys like you are and several <laughs> of my friends are, yes. uh, you kind of need to embrace what is a fun boy home yeah. and where can I have beauty for myself 
And that's why I have my little corner and I go there every morning and I, I drink my own cup of tea that no one has tasted, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. and um, you can make your own little corners. Yeah. Uh, I've lived in small places and big places. Um, we, we travel a lot and I was uh, actually in France writing this book last year because I had a free airline ticket and I got this wonderful little apartment for $170 for a week. Wow. I was always looking at the things online. Wow. So, Joel and Sarah and I met there to work on this project, and we brought home to this tiny little apartment. We went out and we got a loaf of French bread and a sparkling drink, and we uh, I spread my little pashmina and my candles, and I got a vase of roses and two quiches and some cheese and some bread. And it became home because we were together mm. and because we created an environment that was familiar and we so enjoyed that five days together where yeah. we got to just celebrate our presence together in a place that we had created an environment in. Does that make sense? Totally. Totally makes sense. And and I think, you know, you've mentioned in our last episode and then this episode, the impact of technology. Mm-hmm. And so we have this ideal, like I have this ideal of time together and talking and sipping drinks and having conversation and over good food and then these phones come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the eyes, you know, even with adults, we're not even talking about kids. Just, yeah. Just how disruptive it can be. And I know with your grown kids, you know, it's probably a new struggle that's entered into your family, maybe. Mm-hmm. What tips and ideas do you have when you've created this space? Maybe you've got the space ready and you've invited people over and then you desire these conversations and the phones get in the way. What, what well, have you found you know, to help? <laughs> I read um, a book that has been around forever last summer called Boundaries. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> good one. And, That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've been realizing uh, that as the uh, CEO of my home, so to speak, um, you know, I, I have to use my wits and my wisdom to establish what I think is the atmosphere in my home. Like when people come in my door, they come into my space and I want to leave the world out, mm. the, the, the bad parts of the world. But I know one of my friends has created a basket that they that they pass around. Uh, that seems legalistic <laughs> to some people. I don't do that, but where they have everybody put their phones. They said, um, you know, I hope it's okay, but we really want to have an hour of just getting to know you mm. or just uh, enjoying you. And uh, generally speaking, uh, because – my kids didn't all grow up with cell phones. Of course, they all have them now. But what I mean is we got to establish a, a pattern of eating together um, that they all really enjoy. And in general, we don't, you know, cell phones are not allowed. Cell phones, computers, Facebook, uh, I mean, uh, uh, anything is allowed at our dinner table. Mm. And, um, you know, we we... Does that mean that children won't push back against it? Of course they'll push back, just like they push back when you tell them to be unselfish or when you say they have to share. <laughs> right. right. But just because it's not the norm doesn't mean uh, that it's not right. Mm. And um, I really, really feel uh, that the Internet is an, an illusional addiction mm-hmm. because – uh, no matter how often I look at my stats or if somebody thought about me in the last 60 seconds, <laughs> um, it, 
it doesn't give me the satisfaction yeah. that are that real relationships, real books, real um, games, real stories, real movies watched together mm. give to me. Mm. And um, so I guess I would say it says in Proverbs 9, 1, it says, I think it's 9, 1, a wise woman builds her house. A foolish woman with her own hands tears it down. And I think that any house or home that is built starts with a person who takes responsibility mm. for what goes on within the walls. Yeah. And she has to write it out and make a plan. And it's different every year. As you know, your kids get older. Mm. Um, but I, I feel like uh, you have to, what, what do you want your living place to be like? What, what are the needs of your own life, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, and how can you build components into your home that would fill those needs? What practically do you need to get rid of? Mm-hmm. What um, what do you need to add? And I think that wise women are people who have copied wise women. Mm. And so I am always looking for um, I'm always looking for people to pick their brain and and to model myself after. I read books. I I have a friend that is about 12 years older than me. And every time I'm with her, she makes me want to love God more. She's Mm. just delightful. And she has walked a good walk. And so I I said, every week that you're in town and I'm in town, we have to get together. Yeah. And we have built such a close friendship over the years. And she calls me to a better me. And um, so I invest in the things that helped me to invest in the right things in my home. Mm, that's good. Don't know if that makes sense. But. No, that's really good. And I think just even calling yourself the CEO of the home, the one who decides what comes in, I think that's um, emboldening mm-hmm. because I, I know um, for a lot of moms that maybe are young moms starting off, I wish <laughs> I'd, excuse me, I thought that through when I had young kids. Um, yeah. Even simple things. I had a friend who they'd go get fast food and when it came with a toy, she just, put that in a bag. The kids never saw that there was a toy that came in their happy yes. meal. I wish I would have known that. Um, yeah. Which, you know, eventually they'll figure it out. But it's just so much junk and more things. And that's a whole other topic on affluence and mm-hmm. all the stuff they're getting. But you are the one who can filter it and you don't have to follow the crowd. You don't have to do everything no, everyone around you is doing. You don't have to let your kids watch Disney Channel shows that gives them bad attitudes towards their parents. You don't have to, um, but I, but here's the trick that I was going to ask you about. What if your husband is not on board and like you would desire a more media free home and they are bringing it in. I I was with family this Christmas and I know there was a situation where a dad bought a game for my nephews and the mom wasn't too thrilled. So what do you, how do you, um, I know you and Clark or Clark Clay, agree on a lot mm-hmm. of this, but do you have any advice for women who may not be in that situation? I think that people have the illusion that we are more perfect than we are. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> that, you um, and, that you and Claire yeah. are more perfect. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, that because I write idealistic books that we're just both perfect, but um, <laughs> Clay and I are so different yeah. and have been so different in our values in some of these areas. And, mm-hmm. um, of course, it's different now that the kids are older than younger, but I'm still Pollyanna at heart in that if I watch, uh, I can watch adventure, I can watch spy, I can watch, you know, things like that. But I've just noticed that 
there's certain things that really deplete my spirit. So I won't, um, I just won't involve myself in those things. Cause I, I really see that I can, I'm easily because I'm a yeah influence. And so, uh, you know, over the years, um, we've gotten to the point where because I was able to spend a lot more time with the kids during the day, I controlled established boundaries, gave appetites, taught them values. And, um, I think that to build a great home, it's never going to be easy. It's always going to be hard, but it's a great work of life. And it's fun for me that my kids come home and love being here. Uh, and people love being here. I just, um, last month we had, these men staying with us. One was a, a pastor who was moving here uh, at our little church, a music pastor, and the other was a musician. And it was hysterical because we were surrounded by these male uh, hormones all day long, <laughs> yeah. at night, yeah. uh, you know, dinner, everything. Yeah. But uh, but they would come up. Joy and I would be reading a book together because we're reading one out loud. That's kind of fun. Aww. Still, and um, you know, we would be the ones that would uh, light the candles and put on music. They were both musicians and. Um, so all the men every night came up to be with us mm. and we uh, had fun and we were kind of the ones that led the discussion and all. But anyway, going back to what you said, um, every single one of us has a different puzzle and we have got to say, God, give me wisdom. I love the story in scripture where um, I think it's Abigail and she was married to a man whose name meant fool. Mm. His name was Nabal. Mm. And he was foolish and he did foolish things and he almost got massacred his whole family and home because he was such a stupid man. Mm. And Abigail, who was a woman of wisdom, saved his life. She kind of went out to David and brought this food and, and, um, and, and used her influence to, uh, in a sense, to bring peace to her family uh, instead of death, which was going to come at the hands of David and his army. And I think she's a good picture to me of, okay, you have been made authoritative because you were created in the wisdom of, in the image of God. You have the Holy Spirit in your life. Mm. How can you create spaces, places, disciplines that cooperate with what you want to have in the home while honoring your husband? I um, encouraged Clay, and we spent money on it, and we we built this wonderful little office in our basement that was had all of his favorite stuff, his music, a uh, little television, um, his books. And I said, wouldn't you like to have a man cave? And mm. so um, he has a place that he really enjoys. He's an introvert, mm. and he likes to go there. And I created other places in the house. Mm that um, really cooperated with my values. And we would get in the habit of, you know, I, I you have to put a lot of effort into making your home enough of a fun place so that there's something to replace instead of television. Right. Um, right. In, in other words, if you say you can't have Game Boy, you can't have, or, you know, a gaming system, uh, they change. It they keep changing, whatever it is. Yeah. 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 iPhones you, now. Yeah. Even yeah. for kids. Yeah. Um, you can't uh, look at YouTube forever. You can't do whatever. Um, play an iPhone. I mean, text. Um, you, it's not just about saying no. It's right. about saying yes. Hmm. And so I did have, I have hundreds of Legos. I had uh, costumes in my home that I got from Goodwill. Like I, I would go and get army jackets and, um, 
you know, like the, uh, the camouflage pants for my boys. And I, yeah. I let them have lots of different kinds of swords and balls and sticks. And, um, you know, I dress up clothes for my girls. And I would take the kids lots of interesting places because I had a real very strong sense that I was going to have to answer to God someday for how I shaped their appetites. If children grow up learning to, and I've learned this so much, I didn't know they were paying attention, but (laughs) if they grow up being read to and enjoying discussing and thinking of themselves as heroes because you've surrounded them with hero tales, Mm. they grow up into adults who become heroes uh, in their own story, who love um, music and words. And does it take cultivating? Of course Mm. it does. But I feel like the best work I've ever done was to build a home where people could be loved, encouraged, challenged, inspired, uh, comforted. And that was the art of my life. Mm. And now I have a legacy at my age of literally hundreds of people who've been encouraged here, but also my children who grew up in an environment where they had to own a part of reaching out to all the people that we would have in. We had parties for kids. We had uh, missionaries from out of town. We had homeless um, people, or we call them um, just the the lost little uh, orphans Mm. that don't have anybody in their lives. And and my kids would fall in love with them. You know, not always the good attitude before when you had to clean the house and, and make special room for these people, but always afterwards, oh, I don't mind giving up my bed. They are... They really need our family, Mama. Mm. And so it's becoming creative yeah. uh, in designing what what satisfies you, satisfies your spouse, satisfies your children. Or if you're a single mom, you really do have the ability to leave great impressions on your children because God wants to live through you. It's mm. good. It's reminding me that um, I kind of had a moment this fall. My oldest was not in any sports, and I was noticing he wasn't. His friendships were kind of falling away because he wasn't just hanging out with his classmates outside of school. And so I just noticed that he was interested in these baseball cards. And so we invited some of his friends um, in his class over and just said we were going to have a baseball card club party. <laughs> and like if yeah. you have baseball cards, bring them. If you don't, it's fine too. Good idea. And they played baseball in the backyard. I had popcorn, which was easy. I already had it on hand. I think I'd bought like a pink lemonade on like it was still warm in the fall here in Texas. Oh, and way to go. It was like the doors were open, the boys were playing baseball, then they'd come in and one of the boys had brought tons of cards and was sharing them with the other boys and they were playing oh. this fun game. And I was so thankful that God had given me the wisdom or the insight or some idea outside of the box I'd, you know, to to do. And it just filled up my my oldest son's love tank and it allowed that they weren't on any video games the whole time. And they were, you know, baseball cards have become a non-screen option <laughs> that's been good for our boys. So I don't know if there's any boy moms out there looking oh, that for, is a great idea. for more ways to be social. And yet it's hard as they get older. There's It's trickier. Most of the toys are now just technology. And so that was uh, you talking reminded me that that was a gift God had given me this last year. And so... I think, Sally, you're just so wise. Like, it just everything you say, I, I want to go, like, around my house right now and just, like, start doing things. And and I know that you're, like you always say, your goal is never to overwhelm but to inspire and to um, just shine a light for what could be. And 
Um, I know if that young mom right now, she's looking in her living room and it's full of a baby swing and a, and a rocker and a, like, you know, all the, the play mat and all the stuff in her house to look past just those things and to say, what gives me life? Get a, get a, a bunch of flowers, light some candles, put on some music and that will transform and give life. Right. Yeah. And I, I think some people might say I have to go jogging, um, you know, just to get my adrenaline out. And I took my kids for famous long walks and strollers. Cause I like to be outdoors. It's anything that you like, but also, it's accepting the limitations of your family. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I had two boys and two girls, um, and we didn't have any other family beyond us who really supported us. That for, mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons, we were alone most of our lives. And that's one reason I do all this, because I want to encourage women who also feel alone to not feel like I did. Mm-hmm. But um, the other thing is... Um, you know, a part of a happy home is uh, children need a happy mom. Mm. And a part of the secret of a good home is for mom to decide to embrace her puzzle. Mm. Yes. To say, in God's wisdom, he gave me no children or no husband or four boys or six girls or um, we don't have enough money or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, if If you have to say, this is a place where I can bring beauty, goodness, love, truth, and I have this capacity. It's like a muscle that's unused for most women. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's just, just you get better as you go. And um, I know one year I loved your idea. We, um, My kids were all lonely. We moved 17 times. So oh we found ourselves lonely. <laughs> and um, I actually see how it worked toward us or for our good because the kids are so close because yeah. they didn't have friends. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they always had friends, but it took a while. But um, we were living in a here in Colorado, and um, it was kind of a lonely. My kids, some kids were coming back from college and all. But it was a little bit of a lonely um, December. And so I... I don't know where I got this idea from someone or online or whatever, but I came up with a scavenge, an adult scavenger hunt for my 18 to 24 year old kids and, and younger. Some of the kids were younger and I divided them up into three cars and I gave them a list of, um, of photographs that they had to take uh, to see who could get it all done and come back the fastest without mm. speeding. <laughs> and so, you know, we, we had, they all had their iPhones. And so I said, okay, you have to find a, um, a Santa Claus out in the yard. You have to have, find an angel in a manger scene. You have mm. to go to Starbucks and take a picture of their um, coffee of the month. You have to, so I just came up with all so of fun. these different things and um, all these kids who didn't know each other, and who were all new to each other became fast friends literally after mm-hmm. that party because so they were racing, giggling, you know, screaming, driving different personalities. And to see the hysterical photos that they came up with mm-hmm. um, just, was just, yeah, real bonding. So yeah. I didn't have to spend a lot of money. I didn't even have time. I didn't have to mess up the house. I just sent them out. <laughs> <laughs> so smart. Um, so, so smart. And you can do that with adults, you know, yeah. have some adult friends over and do a scavenger hunt with your team of kids in your car. Yeah, um, yeah, that would be a fun family bonding thing, too. Yeah, that's super fun. Oh, Sally. And okay, so I wanted to say, too, I looked at the book and the way you and Sarah organized it, you would write a little bit and she would write a little bit. And then you have a whole month by month mm-hmm. that you work through. Yeah, well, the thing is, I read a book like that many years ago to encourage me. 
you can read the book all at once. Um, like the first four introductory chapters hopefully give a foundation and um, you don't have to only read January and January because yeah. we, have, we have pointers for each month. Yeah. But I wanted it to be the kind of book that people could go back to mm. um, that, you know, maybe if their kids were little, they would do one thing. And if they got older, they would do a different thing that month. But I was always needing ideas uh, because you get tired or you move to a different place or, your kids are at different ages. And mm. so we just wanted there to be seasonal things to do, books to read, movies to watch, ways that we celebrated traditions. And um, so the book is set up in such a way as to just dip in and dip out. And we have a, a study guide. Actually, it's a, it's a, called The Life-Giving Home Experience. And it's a sort of, it has different stories in it, but it, it has some of our favorite movies, books, traditions, um, in the back of each chapter, like January for one, February for another, and places for you to write out your own plans. Like, what does it look like to build my home? What's the best of my home? What's the worst? How can I? So we made these two books to kind of go together, one to inspire and encourage and give a vision, and the other one to be your very own, um, writing out your thoughts to make your home a lovely place. So we hope that that both the life-giving home and the life-giving home experience will kind of be companion guides for women and maybe things they can study in a group so they can encourage each other in this long distance marathon run of providing this great outpost home for all that is good in life to give their, their everybody who comes there some stability and structure to come back to, to be encouraged and renewed. And it's gospel right there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's evangel evangelism at its best is, yeah, is creating so. these life-giving homes. So, yeah. oh, Sally, thank you for the work that you put into this. And I know as I've read the book a little bit that you started it a while back and I'm so excited to see it come to fruition all the time and you've put into it and your daughter being able to be a part of it. So thank you for that, for that ministry uh, of just writing the book. And you're so sweet. I love doing it. Well, and for being with us today and just inspiring us to go build our life-giving homes. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Heather. Have a, have a great uh, new beginning to your year. Thank you. You as well. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And I have exciting news. Sally and Tyndale have offered to give one of my listeners a copy of The Life-Giving Home. So if you're interested in a free book, please go over to godcentermom.com and look for episode 107 and... Leave a comment and you'll be entered to win. I The giveaway will end on Valentine's Day, February 14th. So make sure you enter and I will notify the winner by email. And before I sign off, I wanted to have like a little centering moment. This weekend, I was uh, down in Austin for an event and God kind of revealed something to me and I thought it might encourage some of you out there who maybe you're a mom and you want to do some big things and you really long to be used in a big way. Uh, I heard David Platt speak. He has a book, Radical. Um, and the thing that struck me, well, there was a couple things. One, his personality is very black and white and has passion for people knowing Jesus reminded me of my second son. And David challenged us, uh, instead of worrying about having a blog or a ministry or starting a movement or 
even starting a podcast or writing a book or whatever big thing. He says, how about we just focus on making one disciple, make a disciple. If you are a follower of Jesus, focus in on helping, sharing your life, sharing your love of Jesus with one person. And it struck me as I was thinking about his passion and how much he reminded me of my second son. Like, what if I made my second son that disciple? And what if that son goes on to preach to crowds of hundreds of thousands of people about his passion for Christ and inspires them to make disciples? Like, what if my moments at home with this one boy impacts an entire world? And then I have four sons. And what if I discipled those four sons? And and this isn't a new concept. I've shared this on the show before, but it hit me in a new way. And it reminded me of a story. I had three young kids under the age of four. I was visiting a school thinking about sending our kids there. And I met this woman who I kind of followed her blog. I knew they had a ministry to women who were trafficked in uh, downtown Dallas. And I'm talking to her and I'm weeping, just broken hearted for these women. It was about 2009, I'd watched some documentary on the whole trafficking situation. I think it was just kind of coming into everybody's awareness that this is an issue. And I was just, I was heartbroken. I couldn't stop weeping for the tragedy of what was going on. And I just felt helpless. I said, what can I do? Can I come down to downtown Dallas? What can I do? And I'm literally holding a baby on my hip, bouncing up and down, weeping. And she says, you need to do this. And she's gesturing and pointing to my children. She says, you have a lot going on here and do this well and then move into the streets and help the women who are being trafficked and it just like I I think you know Sally Clarkson who was on the show was the first person to really open my eyes to the ministry of motherhood to recognize that we get the privilege of showing our children Christ in a tangible way and I know if you've listened to the show long enough you know that's a passion of mine but I really want you to hear it's a big thing what you're doing, changing diapers, holding hands, putting Band-Aids on, spoon feeding a baby is huge. If you wait to disciple your children until they're 13 and you've treated them harshly and you haven't met their needs for 13 years, could God still move? Yes. But if you've invested day in, day out loving in a tangible way, in a sweet way, even if you make mistakes, those can be redeemed. But if your goal is to just serve and show Christ to your children, huge deal. So today, as you're going about your daily tasks of folding socks and unloading dishes and making a meal, I just want you to know that is a discipleship-making process, and it is huge. And if each mom really took this role as high as it is and like as great as it is, we would see an exponential beyond what we could ever hope or imagine movement of disciples because those kids will go off and lead families and those kids will impact their your grandchildren and it could just explode uh, the impact you have today in your home. So be encouraged, mom. Go make that one disciple. And if you have two or three kids, you just, just blow it out of the water with your disciple making. All right. Thanks for listening.
I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 317, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.